Vice President Harris has compared January 6th to Pearl Harbor and 9-11. Today is Thursday, January 6th, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. That's what we do here. You can find us on iTunes. We're here Monday through Friday, and we would love to have you join us. Joining me today, Billy Hallowell from CBNsFaithWire.com. He is holding mm. down the fort while Trey Gons Phillips is uh, sick. Uh, skiing. He's, he's out. Skiing, yeah, skiing. Skiing, right, right. When I say sick, I, I mean still on vacation and skiing. But no, he's actually sick. And uh, so prayers up for Mr. Trey as he deals with that. Uh, but a big day as Biden and Harris, as I mentioned, were made their comments on January 6th. We'll go over that here in just a moment. Yes, we will. And we're also going to talk about Lawrence Brooks. He was the oldest known World War II veteran in America. He died on Wednesday at age 112, which just seems um, incredible. We're going to talk about his secret to longevity, uh, which I absolutely loved. Mm. And... Another story we have, this woman who ended up, it's its such a bizarre story, trapped in her car, and I'll describe how that happened, and the man who saved her. Yeah, and the message on the hood of her car, which you can see <laughs> in the picture over there on faithwire.com, which is amazing. So all that stuff uh, we'll get into. And I'm also going to talk about what's behind the great resignation, this record quitting spree that's going on 4.5 million american workers just quitting their jobs um so we'll have the details on that but we're going to start with story number one which is uh president biden and vice president kamala harris going all in on this one year anniversary of those january 6th riots at the capitol comparing them to pearl harbor and 9-11 here's three things you need to know let's start with the details so they spoke today this is the one year anniversary on those riots that happened last year and Vice President Harris, out of the gate here, made quite the comparison to uh, what happened a year ago today. Listen to what she had to say. Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. Yeah, they all run together just like that. So <laughs> uh, a lot of people commenting on that because, as Ben Shapiro noted, 2,403 people were killed uh, on the Pearl Harbor attacks, almost 3,000 people died on 9-11, while five people died on January 6th or thereafter. Even that isn't an accurate number because some of them died after. And one of those was a protester named Ashley Babbitt, who was trying to storm the inner chambers of the Capitol and was shot by police. That was ruled a justifiable homicide. Officer Brian Sicknick died the next day on the 7th after suffering a stroke. Medical examiners ruled his death to be of natural causes. Um, Roseanne Boyland was 34. She died of an amphetamine overdose during the riot. That was also ruled accidental. And a 55-year-old Kevin Greeson and 50-year-old Benjamin Phillips also died naturally from coronary heart disease. 
and hypertensive heart disease. So um, quite a different scene than Pearl Harbor in 9-11. Quite an amazing thing uh, to say. But meanwhile, uh, President Biden, in his remarks, uh, was called Trump and said he was spinning a web of lies and said it was the first time in our history that a president tried to prevent the transfer of power and he pinned the blame for any violence that took place on the 6th squarely on President Trump. Here's what he had to say. For the first time in our history, a president had not just lost an election, he tried to prevent the peaceful transfer of power as a violent mob reached the Capitol. But they failed. They failed. This wasn't a group of tourists. This was an armed insurrection. They weren't looking to uphold the will of the people. They were looking to deny the will of the people. They were looking to uphold. They weren't looking to uphold a free and fair election. They were looking to overturn one. They were looking to save the cause of America. They were looking to subvert the Constitution. And on this day of remembrance, we must make sure that such attack never, never happens again. So there was President Biden and um, also too, uh, um, former Vice President Dick Cheney was, I think, the only Republican there in attendance. And his daughter. And his daughter, daughter. Lynn. Yeah, Yeah. they were there. And um, it's turned into quite a partisan event. And I think what you see uh, generally happening, Ted Cruz came out and called um, the violence deplorable. And he said it was, I think he called it a terrorist attack. Um, so you have a lot of Republicans acknowledging that the violence was wrong. But I think where the issue and the difference comes in is just to the level um, that the Democrats are bringing this to. It, it feels political and it's becoming political. You by, you can see by the, there not being a universal agreement on the level of severity on this event, especially when you have Harris comparing it to attacks on democracy on the on par with 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. I mean, those are, I mean, it's quite a different scenario to, to compare them. And I think that's where you're seeing some Republicans not wanting to participate because, you know, there's also the double standard at play. And that's number two here. Our country seems to have a little bit of a short memory. After Trump won in 2016, you may remember violent protests erupted around the country. Denver, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Louisville, Baltimore, Portland, other places all saw just um, major protests and a lot of violence with property being destroyed, fires breaking out, riot police coming in to try to break things up. And then you had last summer where there were violent protests going on all around the country that killed at least 19 people. And that was just in the first couple of weeks alone. That includes police officers who were shot in drive-by targeted shootings as they were guarding a federal courthouse in California David Dorn um, in St. Louis was a retired police captain who was uh, killed by people who were looting a pawn shop. That was after midnight on June 2nd. And that very same day, President Biden said, we must be vigilant about the violence that's being done by the incumbent president to our democracy and to the pursuit of justice, of course, referring to Trump, who was president at the time. He said, we won't allow any president to quiet our voice. We won't let those who see this as an opportunity to sow chaos 
throw up a smokescreen to distract us from the very real and legitimate grievances at the heart of these protests. And we can't leave this moment thinking we can once again turn away and do nothing. We can't. Um, and so bring that comment up because if you use the same standard today, if the press use the same standard that they used uh, for Trump on January 6th, basically blaming all of these riots and these protests at the Capitol on Trump because he talked about the election and claimed it was stolen, um, but then all the blame for these riots and the burning and the deaths in, in the wake of uh, the riots of the summer would be blamed squarely on Biden's shoulders. But as you can see, it's just, you know, if you choose to read something a certain way, you can. Um, I, I don't think anybody actually thinks Biden was trying to get protesters to go kill police officers. I mean, that would be ridiculous. But if you take words like that and then just apply them to that motive, well, you can get there. Um, but, uh, you know, it, so it's it's just a matter of how all of this stuff is being used for division. And it's it's dividing us more and more and more. And, and Biden promised, he said uh, in the June, in the summer before he was elected to the presidency, um, he said, I promise you this, I won't traffic in fear and division. I won't fan the flames of hate. I'll do my job and take responsibility. I won't blame others. I'll never forget that the job isn't about me. But then just this week, he's out blaming the unvaccinated, calling, you know, for the rising cases now saying it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. What are you doing? Why aren't you getting your vaccines? And so forth and so forth. So so that's kind of the tenor and the vibe as to what's going on right now around this January 6th stuff. And a lot of people are viewing it as a distraction, Billy, from the real problems that we're facing right now, one of them, which I'll talk about coming up here later in the podcast, the great resignation, millions of people just quitting their jobs. Yeah. You know, you got inflation coming, uh, you, you know, you've got all sorts of issues happening right now, supply chain shortages, things that we're not used to seeing in America. And of course, COVID is, is spiking now as well, even though thankfully it's more mild this time. But all of those things are going on. And what is the media focused on today? It's all focused on January 6th and um, President, Tr former President Trump. So why does it matter? Well, I mean, look, we're we're pretty divided now as it is. And the way things are going right now, I mean, they're just going to keep digging in on the division uh, because it works for them, it appears. Well, and and here's the thing that's so fascinating to me is that January 6th was, was not good. Okay, we all know mm -hmm. that. It was not good. Um, it was embarrassing for our country. Yeah. It was a difficult day. A lot, you know, we can go on and on and there's debate about that. But the point, the point is this would have been a great time for somebody who has promised not to divide, who has promised to bring people together to actually do that, to yeah. take this time to say, rather than holding these events and comparing this not good event to some of the most horrific events in um, human history, okay, not just like in our country's history, but in human history, perhaps maybe we should sit down and have a conversation. I mean, he is he's in a perfect position to do that and to say, hey, you know, conservatives, liberals, let's actually sit down. I mean, I would love for a president to do that. And yeah. he ju they just didn't choose to do that. What they did, I think, will really only cause people on either side of this to dig in their heels more on yeah. their perspective about it. Right. So it's, it's unfortunate. It's an opportunity lost. And I also think that we're in this weird um, vein right now where everything that is happening has to do with November. I mean, mm. literally everything we're watching happen has to do with the midterm election and it's going to get worse. I think 
as we inch toward that and not just on the democratic side on the republican side as well yeah no i i think that's uh it's it's true about uh november because you know you're seeing democrats see what's coming they're seeing the writing on the wall many of them you know it's always no matter what's going on it's always difficult when the the power shifts in the presidency and then you've got that majority in the house it just it always seems to be an uphill struggle for who's there to to hang on to that just the natural tendencies and the ebb and flow of our country they usually just go they like the balance and so you know it usually shifts and goes the other way um and so i think they see that that's going to happen cuz that happens anyway and then now you have all these just brutal things going on right now that are not good headlines for the president and and how the, the gas prices things that are real tangible that people are dealing with they see it and they feel it and whether it's fair or not to blame them on biden he that's just he's the one in the office right now and and everyone's dealing with this stuff so he's going to de facto get that blame at the at the voting booth so anyway you're seeing all these people just announce their retirements from congress and so um there's definitely panic on the democratic side as to how that's going to go and so you're seeing a lot of shifts in tone. I mean, you've got the governor of New York now saying, um, hey, maybe we should recount those hospitalizations <laughs> um, and so things that pe- other people have been saying all along. So you're seeing a shift, and I think you're right. I think a lot of it has to do uh, with with the coming elections in November. And so, um, you know, we'll keep that in mind as we cover all these stories going forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we've also got another story here, and this one's a little more uplifting. Um, Good. Part of it's sad, but part of it's uplifting. The sad part is that uh, we lost really a legend, a hero, Lawrence Brooks. He's 112 years old when he died. I mean, I can't even, I mean, picture being born. 112? 112. He was born in 1909. 1909, and he passed away yesterday. It's an incredible story. He is, as far as we know, the oldest known World War II veteran in America. At one point, he was the second oldest in the world out of anybody who had served in World War II. Uh, And so he lived this incredible life, though. And we'll get into those details. But the, the number one detail that you need to know here, he had revealed before he died, and I found it really interesting because numerous people said this, not just one, which means he must have really lived it, that his secret to longevity was, quote, serve God and be nice Mm. to people. There you go. And that should be, when we hear that, that's direct from Jesus, right? You You go to scripture, you look at Matthew 22, and Jesus says, when he's asked, like, what are the greatest commandments? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And so that that's what Lawrence Brooks lived by. And this was a guy who for years had captured the attention of the World War II Museum. Um, they actually held birthday parties for him every year, I think starting in 2014, uh, because he was just such a nice, kind guy. And so that's the first point, right? What a what a legacy to go out there and say, here, this is why I live so long. I've followed the commandments that Jesus yeah. told me to follow. So I love that. But the second thing here about his about his life that's pretty incredible, you know, we mentioned he was born in 1909. When you think about slavery in this country, I mean, this is a guy who was born decades after slavery ended, okay? <laughs> and he was born to sharecroppers, one of 15 children. And this is somebody who, when he served in the military in World War II, he was drafted in 1940. He served again in 1941 after a year. He left and then came back to the Army. He he never saw major combat. He was in a number of different countries. 
but but he was separated. They were segregated, black soldiers and white soldiers. There were a lot of reasons, and here's my point here, to maybe be upset or frustrated or angry about past things that had happened. He had lived through a lot of division in America, and yet in 2014, he was interviewed, and here's what he said. He said, quote, I don't have any hard feelings toward anybody I just want everything to be lovely, to come out right. I want people to have fun and enjoy themselves and be happy and not sad. And he talked about how the officers he worked with always treated him well and just a really a positive outlook. Obviously, people were attracted to this guy and who he was, the Associated Press. I mean, every outlet is covering his death. It wasn't just that he was old and had this longevity. It was that he had this amazing story um, even actor Gary Sinise got in on, you know, offering honor to him. He put a tweet out and called him an American hero. Um, he said, quote, he certainly had an incredible long life. God bless you, sir. And so why does it why does it matter? I think it really goes back to the the piece of this that the media, a lot of the outlets missed, right? They had the part of here's this World War II vet. He died at 112. He has an amazing story. But they missed that part, that secret to his longevity, which, by the way, the World War II Museum posted that, that they were one of the outlets that said, here was his secret to longevity, which I thought was pretty incredible. And then a reverend who actually is is helping plan his funeral said, this is what, um, you know, his this is what his secret was. But that's why it matters. That's what we should all be aspiring to. If you're a Christian, love God and love others and understanding what that looks like. This is a guy who understood it who served as an example, and I have no doubt, you know, God raised him up to have this influence that we could be here talking about that mm. example. Yeah, and what a life. I mean, you just imagine 1909, I, I just, as you were going through that and, and, and his great life philosophy, which I love, of course, as a Christian, um, but I'm looking at what were some of the things going on in 1909? You imagine the changes this guy saw, you know? Like, like, I mean, listen to yeah. this. In 1909, the New York Times published its first ever movie review. I mean, like they didn't, there wasn't even a thing back then. I'm surprised they, the federal spending that year was 0.69 billion. They didn't even get to 1 billion. Those, <laughs> those are the days. Those are the those days when the, days. When the, the government Titanic hadn't sank yet. Yeah, just the Titan, so you know. yeah, the Titanic hadn't sank yet. I mean, just unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable the, the amount of change that he saw in his lifetime. And then, you know, part of the greatest generation, of course, in World War II. Um, what a life. What a, what a life. life. Maybe we all live to 112 years old. I mean, that's that's something. Pretty amazing. And he was still with it. He enjoyed the holidays. I yeah. mean, it, that was another part of the story that I thought was just so cool that, you know, he got to die alone. Not alone. He got to die in his bed, though, right, at right. home. With, and that's what he wanted. He wanted to be in his bed. That's It's just, it's just a cool... It's a really cool story, but yeah, 1909. I almost fell off my chair when I read that. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think dying in your sleep is probably. I mean, I guess that would be the best way to go. But of course, nobody knows. Like, did you jolt awake in the middle of the night and, and right. suffer? No, really, right? Yeah, like, exactly. no, it wasn't peaceful, guys. No, but uh, hopefully, like, if you die in your sleep, you actually just die while you're asleep and you don't even know Seems what's like going the way on. To go. Yeah, Seems it does seem like the way to go. Better than getting like eaten by a shark or something like that. Yeah, um, obviously, 100. obviously. So I'm, I'm really glad I turned that that. <laughs> Positive story into something incredibly dark and Speaking random. Of being eaten by sharks, I know. Let's go back into politics. I know. <laughs> All right, let's go into story number three: the Great Resignation. So, what is going on? What is behind this record quitting spree that 4.5 million American workers have done? It's crazy. They just mm -hmm. resigned from their jobs just in one. This is one month. 
in one month. And so the Labor Department, they released this November number and it just shows this ongoing uh, record quitting spree may keep what's called the great resignation trending well into this year. And so you've got financial experts saying that people quitting, they're trying to say it's a good sign about the economy um, because while they're they're not necessarily leaving the workforce, they're hoping to move into a better job. But usually this is interesting because I think it a lot of this depends on like how they're actually calculating these stats. Because usually when you quit a job, you know, if you do, you have another one, like you've, you've secured another job and then you switch jobs. It's less about quitting and more about I'm switching jobs, right? Um, but these ones seem to be just like quitting and then they say, they're hoping for a better job. Well, that's a weird thing because why would you, you know, why would you just quit and hope if you had a job that was currently and How are you eating? Like how are you right. eating and paying your bills? Right, right. And so um so it so it's interesting and I think a lot depends on, you know, the details of those stats which aren't entirely clear at this point. But um uh the chief economic advisor at Keelpoint told CBN that he thinks um, that this that means the workforce is strengthening. He said job quits, especially at record highs, are an indication of confidence within the consuming public and the labor force. And and look, I mean, especially for lower wage jobs, I mean, there's hiring signs at every place you go to right now. I mean, you could pretty much pick and choose wherever you wanted to work if you were, you know, willing to go, you know, work in the service industry or something like that. Like, you get a job, you can get two of them, three of them right now if you wanted to. Absolutely. Um, but 6.3 million people who left jobs in November and 4.5 million as that, that, that actually quit. Um, so that is, that is interesting that they feel secure enough in their, uh, current field that they're in or in the job market that they're going to get something else. Um, because November did see 6.7 million new hires, but that was 6% lower than October. Um, and so hospitality and food services, which, as I said, include a lot of those low paying jobs, they get they get hit the hardest 260,000 people left their positions there construction was next 110 K. And then manufacturing with 66,000 workers left and, um, and, it, and according to the experts, they're migrating into job opportunities that have better pay recognition, less direct, direct exposure with customers, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but there, it's not all sunshine and lollipops there from these experts that spoke to CBN. They, there's more than a million working mothers have not returned to work since the start of the pandemic. And um, the U.S. economy is facing record high inflation. And just uh, earlier this week, the U.S. saw a million cases of COVID. So, of course, um, you've got all of these things going on. Now, I'm gonna, I might disagree with this expert here, Billy, in saying that these moms not going back into the workforce. I mean, as a big proponent of of families. I mean, I think, Hey, look, get, get moms with their kids. It's a good thing. You can't, you can't complain too much about Maybe they're deciding just to stay home if they, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't mean necessarily they can't get back out there. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think, I think there's a lot unsaid in these stats. It's really hard to pin down exactly what's going on, but, um, it is, you know, obvious that a lot of people are hiring. And so it is, it is clear that, you know, especially in lower wage jobs, you can move around, but, um, I don't think it's necessarily all great sign to see all these people quitting their jobs. Because as you said, where are they getting their money to live day by day? And um, I mean, is it coming from the government? Are they are they taking unemployment checks to just sort of 
get a get a couple of months quote unquote off until they go get another job um who knows what people are doing and uh until we figure that out i i would say we should still be concerned about people quitting i don't i for one as an american am not a fan of going around and seeing in my town for example there's a chipotle and you'll just roll up to it and some days they'll they'll have a closed sign on it and and it's they don't they can't guarantee hours open more than a couple of days out it's just kind of like well just come on by and see if the chipotle's open like that's just something we're not used to in america yeah no and you know as far as the moms go i think that that i'm hoping there's people out there who are going to do some research on this because it, how many of these moms are willingly doing it how many are yeah. doing it because their kids are at home or they're like who knows right. like, i think it could really be once it once it it may not be a positive right now for those families, but it end up it might end up being very soon, right? Like right. once, but once the you schools, get that settled. But the school's not opening and, and deciding to close. That's probably forcing a lot of parents into situations. Um, like you said, like it would be interesting to drill down on the numbers because are these school closing forcing parents to quit their jobs? <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. because they're like, Well, I can't just you know, if I'm paying a whole ton of money for, you know, childcare if they're not, you know, able to go to school or someone's got to be at home because they have to do school from home, I can't send them somewhere else because they can't do school there. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people are being put in all kinds of weird situations. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I think that's why we really need solid data on this, right? Yeah. Because there, there may be simple things that we could be doing as communities and even as a church to help people to facilitate yeah. that, right? Like, totally. hey, I found myself in this position. Like, what can what can I do to actually get my family back up and running in the right way? So, yeah. All right. All right. So our final, final story today yes. is a really, really interesting one. And thank goodness it has a very solid, happy ending. But there was a woman who was driving. Her name is Yada Yewalo. And she lives in Massachusetts. She dropped her kid off, thank goodness, dropped her three-year-old off at daycare, and then was driving, and it rained really quickly, I guess, and the roads froze, and all of the sudden, it's just so crazy, her car goes off the road, and it doesn't even do a full flip. It ends up vertical with the front bumper on the ground wedged between trees. So you picture yourself in a driver's seat looking down because that's what you'd be doing. Like your the rear of your car is behind you and she's like sideways in the air dangling and nobody sees this happen, right? So she's alone and it's kind of like off to the side of the road. So obviously she's panicking, she's yeah. screaming, she's crying. Um, nobody can hear her. And then there's a guy, he comes down the road, he's on his way to work, and he starts slowing down. He probably wouldn't have seen her if the ice wasn't wasn't happening. His name's Dylan Dauphiny, and he's driving down the road. He goes real slow to avoid the ice, and he looks over and sees her car. Okay, so that's the first point. Those are the details. The second part of this story, what does he do? He doesn't just keep driving. He pulls over, gets out, and thinks, gosh, I should probably look and see if there's anybody in that car. But he's thinking, the way, and you'll see this story over at Faithwire, the way the car is positioned, there's probably nobody in there, right? He goes up to the car and he puts his face up to the window and he sees that she's there and he's like, are you okay? And she says, I'm okay. Thankfully, she was awake and alert. He calls 911, gets the firefighters out there. And it's really, it's really interesting. I love when this happens in these stories. Obviously, he goes on his way once they come. She doesn't get to meet him. They get her out. 
the two of them later um, on Wednesday night reunited. She got to meet him and they got to talk. And the part that wasn't in the in the local affiliate story that I really loved, she says to him, God sent you to rescue me. Right. And, you know, she's just thanking him. And it's just a really great ending to the story. But when you look at her car and you mentioned this earlier um, in the picture, Dan, the message that is perfectly visible because of how the car is positioned. She has a giant what looks like sticker on the front of the car that says Jesus loves you. And that's the image. That's the image that's out there. Her car's upright and it says Jesus loves you. And all right, I'm I don't want to sound crazy here, but these stories do make me wonder it's like you know th- it happens right and she probably put this sticker on her car and nobody's seeing it because it's on the top it's on the of, top right right and <laughs> and now this image of her car like it you know has the has that message there and who knows hopefully well, it's, it's even people well and it's even like the the letters are right side up right so right like the way she put it in the, the car is on front is on the front like just kind of up and down going along the tree and so because it's that way you can actually read jesus loves you perfectly right side up it's not you don't you don't have to like turn your head upside down to read it you can actually just see it so it's like it, it almost looks like someone put the car there so that you could read that in the picture <laughs> I was like, is that photoshopped? Like I was saying, you know, it's just a fun little detail yeah. on the on the end of it. But she did say, I would have been dead. I'm not supposed to be mm. alive right now. So thank God. Who like how long can yeah. you dangle there? Like she was holding herself in to not, you know. I mean, she may have been okay if she fell through the windshield. I don't know. Just a crazy. No, story. it's crazy. Yeah. And you know, because I mean, and again, you see the end result. But I mean, the trauma when you're in a car accident, um, it's you know, it's obviously a a jolt. And so to to survive that and then to be hanging there for that time and then for somebody to come by, I mean, it's all, you know, praise God, she's okay and, and can can just look back on it now. And then we can look at her at her sticker and be thankful for that, um, that that little message is getting out there in the midst of all that. So a uh, good one to end on there. And um, we will be back here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. As always, you can head on over to CBNNews.com and FaithWire.com for more. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day, wherever you are. And uh, we just pray it's a good one. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. God bless.